0: Welcome to Property Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks the hot topics of property and explores how they affect you. I'm your host, Alice Stoltz. Today, we're looking at some challenges facing property investors, and we'll also be looking at some home maintenance tasks to keep on top of this winter. Despite credit being cheaper than ever, investors face some strong headwinds in the post-COVID-19 world property owners have had to bite the bullet and meet the market with lower rental prices for fear of becoming another rental vacancy statistic. And there is a divided future ahead with those investors who purchase established properties in suburban areas most likely facing a very different outcome to those who invested in high-density property. Later on in the show, we'll be talking to Domain's lifestyle editor, January Jones, about the maintenance jobs to tackle around your home this winter. But first, with me to discuss the state of the property investor market and some of the challenges currently facing investors is Ben Kingsley. Ben is co-host of the Property Couch podcast, Managing Director of Empower Wealth, and a Chair at the Property Investor Council of Australia. Ben, thank you for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me on, Alice.
0: Now, Ben, can you give us a snapshot of what is happening in the property investor marketplace?
1: Yeah, it's been an interesting time, and um, you know sometimes we tend to forget that uh, that the property investors actually play into the broader property market, which is really managed and controlled by owner occupiers. They represent seventy percent of the activity in the market. Investors traditionally have only represented thirty percent. Now that fluctuates from time to time when. Um, investors see a good, good opportunity but uh, we're certainly seeing um, in this period of time that investors aren't as active as they have been over the last five years so this is the, the, the demand we're seeing at the moment in the marketplace is really first home buyers and also um, owner occupiers upsizing and downsizing but there's still some investor activity but it's just not as prevalent as has been um, over the last few years.
0: And so Ben, what are the major challenges for those investors already in the market in this COVID-19 period in Australia?
1: There's a couple of types of investors that we see in in terms of what product that they're holding. So if they're holding established properties which have a lot of owner-occupier appeal in the suburbs and and where there's not a lot of oversupply, they're actually faring very well. Mm. They might have a challenge around the renter um, in terms of having, you know, to sort of negotiate a deferral or reduction in rent. But the other investor who, who's really bought what we would consider as investor stock, more of that in the sort of medium high density stuff that they may have been told about through their tax accountant or financial planner to sort of look at negative gearing and, and tax benefits. They're the ones who really are going to see very, very interesting times ahead for them over the course of the next sort of six months.
0: Mm. It's extraordinary the way there's two very different investor groups that we're now seeing, one more comfortable than the other, obviously.
1: Yeah, yeah. And look, I mean, you couldn't have picked, you know, you've got a black swan event here, you've got effectively no immigration, you've got no student accommodation, you've got off the plans releasing and people having to settle on those and those valuations not stacking up the moment. So not only do they have very limited tenant demand, there's also uh, effectively no appetite for buyers. Uh, to come in and pick up that stock at the moment. So they're the ones that hopefully have a little bit of deeper pockets to, to ride out this period, as opposed to, as I said, that the ones who have a, you know, sort of house uh, in the suburbs um, aren't necessarily seeing the same sort of challenges.
0: And obviously that could alter after the mortgage holiday ends. We're not quite sure what's going to happen in that space, but some of those investors may find themselves in a more uncomfortable position, I suppose, if they've got tenants who can't pay the rent after September, October.
1: To be honest with you, I reckon that's being a little bit overhyped at the moment. We absolutely know that, you know, everyone's been talking about this fiscal cliff that we're all going to fall off. But I've been here before when everyone was talking about when you know, investors have interest only periods running out and they can't get an extension on their interest only period. And that amounted to basically nothing. Mm. In this particular case, what we are talking about here is there's no doubt that it will affect some. The question is, will it be systemic risk and will it be broad based? Because if it's not, then the ad hoc um, elements of mortgage stress that will appear will not have a material impact on the supply side of the market because it'll just be too randomised. However, when we are talking about a CBD location or a high cluster of apartments, that's probably where you will, as I said, see some price risk on the downside for that. But what's been happening and everyone thinks that come the end of September, everyone's going to run out of money. Now, people have buffers Uh, people will be able to potentially find other resources and we also know that the banks are going to do everything that they can they're not silly Mm. they don't want to see a housing crash occurring so they will be doing everything within their powers to make sure that this is a managed process getting those people who can afford to start making some repayments making those repayments and those that aren't potentially extending their repayment holidays for a bit longer
0: Mm. It is kind of curious that perhaps those conservative investors, mum and dad type investors who bought a little two or three bedroom clinker brick house, you know, in the suburbs might be the ones that kind of fare the best out of this though, isn't it, compared to the more, you know, aggressive investor, I suppose? Yeah,
1: look, that's the smart money. I mean, we've probably been talking about that for years uh, in terms of what we've seen. Um, you know, there's there, there's no doubt that the, the vast majority of investors are attracted to, you know, uh, through marketing and, and activity to to buy into these new developments and these, these, you know, sort of high and medium density aspects because they've got a good, you know, tenant pool and, and that's where the young people want to live and so they think they're going to get attractive tenants and so forth. But the historical performance of those types of assets from a capital growth point of view and a cost of holding point of view have actually underperformed Um, The the smart mum and dad who understand that basically it's the land value that appreciates and then over time, but even in small, you know, sort of old 70s apartments and flats um, and villas uh, are doing far better than the sort of medium and high density um, stock that's being put onto the market, which is traditionally tried to attract investors.
0: Mm -hmm. Ben, tell me what, what kind of contingencies should investors have in place at the moment before entering the market, would you say, in this new sort of era that we're in at the moment?
1: The main ones that you can focus in on are things like job confidence, making sure that you've got job stability around that. And also, the other critical component of this is also around how you service your mortgage and you may have changing circumstances. So, if you've got plans to start a family and you're going to go down to single income have an adjustment on your income you do need to factor that in in regards to you know whether you're going to be able to afford this for not only the next 12 months but also potentially for the next five years because it's beyond that period that that the return on investment becomes quite healthy Mm. um, and you know makes for for a sensible decision to invest in the first place, mm-hmm.
0: how appealing is this market for some potential investors? Like we know, there's always an opportunist in property. Can you feel a sense of are they rife at the moment, or you know, or does one have to be really kind of plucky to be in that pool at the moment?
1: Uh, so it, it is interesting. I, I sort of probably put them into you know the smart investor is in two camps at the moment. Uh, you know, from that point of view, my view is that there are there's there's some cheeky investors out there who are low balling offers who thinking that they're they're going to get a bargain, that certainly was around in that sort of April period. Um, fortunately, um, you know, most real estate agents and and the vendors were sort of saying thanks, but really, no, no thanks. Move on. Mm. Um, so we didn't see any of that sort of distressed uh, pricing or selling going on. But but you know, there are some smart investors out there who understand that when we look past this pandemic, that They are potentially getting in when uh, traditionally demand, uh, you know, we we saw just before the the pandemic, like the February numbers and early March numbers were unbelievable Mm. when we were looking at our demand supply measures. The amount of demand that was starting to bubble up in all of our capital cities Mm. uh, and the supply and low interest rate environments, it was going to be an unbelievably strong property year. Um, That has since been paused um, and we're seeing this mild correction in values. We haven't seen the, you know, the, the sensationalist, uh, you know, sort of quotes around 20, 30% crashes. That just simply will not materialize, um, given all of the mechanisms and the levers that both the regulators and also uh, the government have delivered and the banks have delivered for us. So the sensible money says, and it comes back to your question before, Alice, around, If I'm in a good financial position, I've got good job confidence and I've got an understanding of my cash flows and I'm a long-term investor, Um, property is a very sensible component of that. Residential property does make sense if you're going to be doing it for that long-term. And so I do see a few people with the smart money taking a look at that, also understanding that those low interest rates that are available at the moment that they're going to see potentially some good returns on investment over the next three to five years once we get past this temporary pandemic.
0: Mm. And Ben, is it fair to say the days of the massively leveraged entrepreneurial residential property investor are behind us? You know, I, th- I think we actually had you on the our Channel 9 show, Your Domain, talking with us about these investors who sometimes have multiple properties in their portfolio. Are those days over? Is that kind of era finished now, do you think?
1: Yes, there is absolutely no doubt that the days where you can potentially manufacture and keep gearing and leveraging um, to the cows come home is just not possible. So we're going to see, you know, mum and dad investors and everyday investors potentially, you know, buy over a course of maybe 20 years, you know, th- uh, three or four good assets mm. um, that is going to supplement their retirement income. And I think that's right. You know, I don't subscribe to the idea that you need to have everyone being greedy property investors and, and amassing 20 or 30 properties. I think if you're focusing on one, two, three, four good ones, and you're buying them astutely over the journey, all of a sudden you'll lift your eyes in retirement and and you'll have a nice little passive income that can look after you. And then potentially you're obviously building a legacy for the next generations to come along.
0: Mm. Ben, that was so interesting. Thank you for your time. I really enjoyed speaking with you.
1: Thank you, Alice.
0: Now we're going to hear the stories from a couple of investors who have had to make some tough decisions while weathering rapid changes in the rental market due to the coronavirus pandemic.
2: Hi, this is Teresa. I bought an apartment off the plan in 2016. My previous tenant moved out just as COVID was hitting overseas. I didn't really understand the amplitude of what was going to happen. But then as lockdown got more severe, the regulations and tightness around how the property and when the property and how many people could be seeing the property sort of got tighter. So people were sort of more reluctant to go look for properties to move from where they were because they weren't sure about, you know, their economic status. I saw across the market that other landlords were starting to reduce their rent. So to secure a tenant... I ended up reducing my rent probably about 20%. Money in the bank's better than none. It's not ideal rent, but I think
3: it is what the market is at the moment. Hi, my name's Joe, and I recently bought an investment property off the plan in December 2019. The settlement was supposed to be towards the end of February, but because of COVID, it was delayed for three months. It's been on the rental market for about a week now, and it's looking a little slow. <laughs> it's looking a little difficult <laughs> to get the price that I would uh, prefer. So pre-December it was looking like I could probably have gotten rent around the $700 a week mark for a two-bedroom apartment in Sydney's Inner West. Currently I've advertised it for six hundred fifty dollars a week and there's been one application that has asked for it to be dropped to $600 a week that I'm still thinking about. And then I had another inspection on the weekend, which unfortunately also only had one viewer that I haven't heard from yet. <laughs> yeah, this is my first time investing in a property. So along with the first first time jitters, I think the, the current environment, is, it did make me a bit nervous pre-settlement as I wasn't sure when settlement would be. And if it had been in March, I would probably be much more anxious. But it seems like the market's been picking up again. So still a bit stressed, but not overly anxious. Now is the perfect time to get
0: stuck into some home maintenance. Domain's lifestyle editor, January Jones, is with me to share her top picks on what you can do around the home in these chilly months or if you're still in lockdown. January, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Alice. Now, January, I don't know about you, but I have been stuck in my house for way too long. Winter is now here, and I'm just watching the jobs pile up, and I would love some sort of direction as to how I can actually navigate my way through this. What is your advice or suggestions of the most important maintenance tips to do over winter? So there's a few
2: things, and I'll start with the things that I've actually been doing in my own home. So I started last weekend with garden maintenance. That's a big thing, especially now that it's getting a bit colder. So you'll probably notice in your garden beds, a lot of leaves have fallen, obviously, because we've gone through autumn. I would get your rake out and rake out those old leaves
0: from your garden beds. Hang on, but what do I do with my leaves? Where do I put them all? Do I, so, full confession, I haven't set up a compost. So what can I do
2: easily? Compost first, if you've got it, or your green bin. Now, you don't want to put it in your regular bin. That's not a good spot for it. All right, and what's next in the garden space? Yep, so trim back your trees and your hedges. So especially now that it's getting a bit wilder and woollier, you don't want branches blowing around and things like that. So trim back that. If you've got roses, now's a really good time to prune them because there's not going to be a whole lot of growth over the colder months.
0: Okay, and then come springtime, they'll hopefully be in full yeah, bloom and it will yes. be worth it.
2: So it looks a bit scary giving them such a big haircut at first, but that's where you want to want to start. So I would say, okay. yeah, so rake out all your leaves, replace your mulch. So it's a really good time to like get out all that old mulch from your garden bed and replace it with a fresh set give everything a good water, trim back your trees and you should have a great looking garden.
0: Okay. I like the sound of all of that. <laughs> and I wish I knew that a month ago before it got so cold. But anyway, I will I will tend to that very soon. <laughs> Look, it doesn't take too long. Just a little backyard blitz. And January, what about on the actual home front? Should we be doing something to the actual property itself?
2: Yeah. So it's a really good time to get your gutters cleared and cleaned, and check your downpipes and check your drains. So as I mentioned, a lot of leaves have been falling. They can gather obviously in those areas. So you want to, Make sure you're cleaning those out,
0: and that sounds like the most boring job. Is that one that, if you had a little bit of extra money,
2: is probably best to outsource? I think so, because for one, the practicality of it is you need a you know you need a ladder tall enough to get up there in the first place. Most people don't have a ladder that big lying around. If you're a bit handy and you you happen to have a ladder and you want to do it yourself, you certainly can. But yeah, just work out where your ability lies. You know, you are up there for a long time. You know, scraping and pulling all those leaves out, and you want it done properly at the. Same time. You really want someone to check and make sure all your gutters are looking good. You don't need any replaced because if there are any issues, that can be a big problem to your property.
0: Okay, and what about inside the home?
2: Inside, so I would say this is a really good time to think about safety maintenance. So you want to test your smoke alarms and replace your batteries. It's usually a time where people are using open fires, they're using their heaters more, they're using electric blankets, all those kinds of things. And on that as well, I would say get your gas heaters service. So if you've got a mm. gas heater, get that service, get someone in to check that and clean your filters in your split system. So your machine is working efficiently. Mm. And also, I know you have a period home, Alice. I
0: think, you know, if, if you've got a chimney, get a chimney sweep in. Just an extra bonus on that one. The other week I had our chimney swept and it was the most exciting thing that had happened <laughs> In our house for months. <laughs> so the chimney sweeper came and it was like something out of chim chimney. Yeah, Mary Poppins. <laughs> this lovely guy came and he had all this wonderful sort of massive pipe cleaner type tools. The children were utterly entranced. Oh,
2: that's fantastic.
0: And what else, January, what else around the home can we do to make that home feel lovely and cosy? So another thing
2: I would say is have a look around your home and see if there's any drafts coming and how you can seal those. So, for instance, if you have a bit of a gap under your front door, I would suggest getting one of those snakes that you put at the, you know, across your front doors okay. from there. You might have windows that aren't sealing properly, doors that aren't sealing properly. So just take a bit of a look, put your hand down, feel for some drafts and block those up. Because really, if you measured all of those little spots, you know, it could be the size of a window being open to the outside with cold air coming through.
0: I completely agree. And- I think you can be such a cost saving when you actually, even if you also make sure you've got good blinds covering a window that are nice and thick. And the saving you can save on your energy bills is quite extraordinary when you actually just use good old fashioned padding of, of furnishings to, to cover drafts or, or lots of glass.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. We lose so much heat through glass. So mm. yeah, make sure you've got really good coverings on your windows too. So it might be time to put an extra, like you said, a blackout curtain or a heavier drape or something like that there. Mm. You know, we can save so much on energy efficiency just by doing that
0: is there anything that we shouldn't be doing like this is all sounding rather good and quite (laughs) ambitious is there anything that we should avoid doing during winter
2: i would say don't paint because it's really difficult to dry especially in victoria tasmania parts of new south wales we're really not getting those higher temperatures and it's very unlikely that your paint is going to dry and also because of the cold, you're not going to be opening up all your windows and doors and letting it ventilate properly. So you
0: really don't want to be sitting in there breathing paint fumes. So I would say if you can, avoid that. I wish I spoke to you last week because I also um, painted my front fence. And the problem was the next day I went was a second coat or a third coat. This was becoming a labour of love. And the dew had set in. <sighs> Being in Victoria, we had to wait hours for sort of the sun to come out and to dry that dew off, and it was sort of still quite damp on the actual pickets. So I wish I knew all of this before um, before I began that revolting project. (laughs) Well, that's the thing, yeah, especially
2: fences as well, because you have really, most likely, you've got to do two coats, and then you've got to get two days of sun and absolutely no rain. So it's just not the best time to be doing it. Obviously, if you've got a property for sale and and you. Need to do it? You can. You can bring in heaters. You can bring in industrial heaters and fans to really dry it quickly. But if it's a residential home that you're living in, you probably just don't want to be sitting in those paint fumes at the moment. No, I think you're spot on, January. No matter what kind of home you've got, whether you've got an old home or a new home or apartment, just doing these little things can really help, and they really just keep your home looking great for longer. You know, and that's what you want to do. You need to put care into it. You need to put work and effort, and they're fun little things to do anyway.
0: Yeah, I like the winter list because it's not too ambitious. I don't. a bit worried about speaking to in the springtime but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it then well that's right spring's DIY time isn't it so that's gonna be a
2: completely different list then
0: I look forward to talking with you then January Jones thank you so much for your time today thank you Alice thanks for having me before I sign off, I wanted to let you know about why we've decided to create this podcast. We know that property can be complex, baffling and incredibly confusing. And that's why we want to unpack with you issues that matter without all the jargon so you can really understand how they're going to affect you. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you want answered, please email us at propertyunpacked@domain.com.au. Thanks and talk to you next week. You've been listening to Property Unpacked, a podcast by Domain. If you like what you've heard, hit subscribe and look out for further episodes dropping every Thursday. Property Unpacked is hosted by me, Alice Stoltz. This episode was produced by Alexandra Spangaro, Stephen Cluxton, with production support from Hayley Cools. For more property news, advice and market insights, head to domain.com.au.